0: Here it
1: is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. May I compliment you on your audio device of choice, by the way, today? it it uh, It's very slimming. Ladies and gentlemen, you know that uh, last night, if you're listening today, <laughs> of course you're listening today. Whenever you hear it, it's today. But uh, last night, for most of us who are listening to this program, I'm listening. I'm liking it so far. The uh, last Republican debate before the New Hampshire primary was held and Marco Rubio distinguished himself by um, repeating himself a bunch, which was cause for a lot of levity. But I I don't know. I have to be honest with you. I didn't see that's maybe the first of the debates I I didn't see. I haven't seen in this cycle uh, because it's a cycle. Uh, But also, this is New Orleans at Carnival time. Nuff said So um, I don't know if they mentioned this, anybody mentioned this during the debate, but this week prior to the debate in the run up to the debate, uh, there was a a moment that if if ever two words could have encapsulated the status of one person's political campaign up to the moment, uh, this would have been the week that that happened. Here is Jeb Bush speaking to uh well rally is a little overstated a a meeting <laughs> somewhere in new hampshire this week no that's not jeb bush i know that <laughs> i worked for jeb bush that is not jeb bush um uh, here is jeb bush I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap. Please clap, ladies and gentlemen. Please clap with that tone of, oh, no, not this again. Yes, it's a hashtag, but it's more than a ha- it, it It's a hashtag. It could be. A um, a tombstone. This uh, I mentioned is New Orleans, where whence this program originates. It is carnival time. Um, th- people I know in this city, some of them actually dislike carnival. Some of them actually leave town because they're displeased with the behavior of the of our visitors. Uh, it's to me, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and uh, I think anybody who saw me or was with me about 12 hours ago would have bet serious money against my being here right now doing this show. I would have been among the people betting against it, but uh, I am here. And what you realize when you experience Carnival uh, in the New Orleans fashion as opposed to in the tourist fashion is that it is uh, most noticeably a celebration. And a celebration, uh, it's a It's a joyous celebration, and for so surprisingly many New Orleanians who come out in various ways (laughs) at this time of year, it's a celebration of creativity. And this program was going to be uh, filled with that spirit, Uh, but this week two people passed away uh, who were in their own way uh, inspiringly creative to me. And so it it is also a celebration of them. One of them was Dan Hicks, the singer-songwriter who came out of the Haight Ashbury scene of San Francisco in the late nineteen sixties. Came out of a a rock band called the Charlatans and uh moved from there quite quite quickly to an entirely different kind of music. I uh first saw him well, I know I think I saw him with the Charlatans, but the first time I saw him with this new band It was a a jazzy folk band, is I think the way he described it. Acoustic guitars, acoustic bass, fiddler, and two female backup singers. And the band was Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks. And they did a week at the Troubadour, the legendary Troubadour nightclub in in West Hollywood, California, where they recorded their first record as a band, which spawned a couple of, hitlets if not actual hits and I was present in one of the nights of that gig I don't know if that was the night that was recorded and then years later years and years and years later four years ago I I was honored to be invited to play as a bass player uh, a couple of songs at Dan's 70th birthday celebration in San Francisco where an an enormous number of musicians who had been influenced or touched by him in his career uh, came by to play and so uh, one of the things I'm doing on this program is paying musical tribute to um, the late great Dan Hicks. On hello, welcome to the show. <laughs>
2: one said while making corn cornbread the eagle flies taking his advice and go keep moving safe back in big bob moving, was on a heavy job moving, he heard a noise said come on boys let's go keep moving, keep moving horse was keep in a race he could win show our place he came in first from out of thirds to go Just like you've seen a cop And you don't, don't, don't exactly want to stop It's a motion lotion that makes you want to go Keep moving with the motion that'll make you want to go Keep moving with the motion that'll make you want to Get in your robot and roll. A truck driver once said I've got a sleepy head He took a pill and had the will to go Emotion that'll make you want <laughs> And reasonably brought down A clown could only frown but after a while, he started to snuffle some dough Where's the dough? And little Betty knew Had a date, but didn't want to screw She changed her mind When slept down or so Where's the dime? A real good friend of mine Is busy doing time He got real big And asked to bank some dough Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? here me have A boxer's in a ring. He hears Where's that money? bell go, ding. He went to fight way? with all his mommas dough. Where's the money? Where's the money?
3: Thank you. Please clap.
1: No, they did clap, sir. Ladies and gentlemen from New Orleans, Louisiana, home of this continent's finest carnival, I think. I'm Harry Shearer, Welcome you to this edition of the show. Uh, Donald Trump, on the, I did see some highlights of the debate, Donald Trump and, and especially uh, his Sunday morning yak show appearances uh, has now taken to saying that he would uh, approve reinstating waterboarding or a hell of a lot worse, his phrase. He's, he's uh, single-handedly, I think, when we look back on this campaign, uh, the undeniable contribution Donald Trump has made to political campaigning in America has been to inject a hell of a lot more profanity than any candidate has ever done. And, you know, now it's going to be safe to uh, be to work blue in in a red state. The uh, st- statement he made, though, was uh, he'd, he'd reinstate waterboarding and a hell of a lot worse because people over there are chopping heads off. Apparently unaware of the fact that the people over there who are chopping the most heads off are the government of Saudi Arabia, about which our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia, we now learn that $681 million was transferred into the Malaysian prime minister's personal bank account was a gift from the royal family of Saudi Arabia. No corruption involved. That's the conclusion of Malaysia's new attorney general. The involvement of the Saudi royal family was an unexpected twist in the scandal over the mysterious fund's transfer, according to The Guardian, and the troubles of an indebted state fund, One Malaysia Development Berhad, 1MDB, not IMDB. Don't look me up on 1MDB. The chairman of the advisory board of that fund is the prime minister, Najib Razak. There was no reason given... As to why the donation was made to the Prime Minister, that is between him and the Saudi family, said the Attorney General. No criminal offense was committed. In relation to three investigations submitted by Malaysia's anti-graft agency, no further action would be taken. The Malaysian Anti-Corruption Commission had earlier said the funds were a political donation from an unidentified Middle Eastern benefactor. Najib has weathered months of calls from opposition leaders to resign. He's denied any wrongdoing, says he didn't take the money for personal gain. The issue has been an unnecessary distraction, he says. Sounds like an American. Yes, they do. The uh, leader of the opposition says the conclusion is utterly without merit. In July last year, this may be interesting background. The prime minister had fired the country's previous attorney general, who had led the investigation into the scandal for health reasons. Even his first uh, fiercest internal critics admit that he cannot be unseated at the moment. And that that $681 million from Saudi Arabia can't hurt. Well, if they're not chopping off heads, they're sending over plane fulls of jet planes full of loot uh, and on the subject of money, there's going to be a lot of discussion of money today on the broadcast. so fire one up a dollar bill that is um, our friends at HSBC news of bad banks they're fined again. they they keep they keep stumbling into these fines. HSBC has now been fined 470 million dollars. Hey, the Saudis could make that good in one for abusive mortgage practices in relation to the 2007-2009 two, housing crisis in which millions of people lost their homes. This is after Goldman Sachs paid a bigger fine for much the same reason. It's a British bank, HSBC, which has previously been fined big money for laundering or uh, violating, ignoring the anti-money laundering provisions of American law for the benefit of drug lords and terrorists is all. Uh, but the British bank agreed to pay the fine to settle U.S. federal and state investigations into the abuses against homeowners struggling to keep up with mortgage payments. The settlement with the Justice Department and 49 states, plus Washington, D.C., centers on allegations that the bank robo-signed thousands of foreclosure documents le- that led to evictions without properly reviewing the paperwork to prove that they actually were legally in a position to do the foreclosing you see as part of the fine hsbc was ordered to pay 59.3 million dollars in compensation to borrowers who lost their homes in the four years between 2008 and 2012 that money is going to stretch kind of thin there are more than 135 eligible homeowners in new york alone new york state kathy madison chief executive of hsbc finance said we're pleased to have reached this settlement You know what? What miscreant, upon being found guilty of misfeasance, issues a statement saying we're pleased. We're pleased to be punished. It, It tells you something about the pain involved in that particular punishment. She said throughout the crisis, HSBC had, quote, stayed focused on home preservation and approached foreclosure as a last resort option, unquote. The settlement requires HSBC to change some of its policies and take corrective actions, including giving homeowners the chance to appeal foreclosures. The court, The bank must also install an independent monitor to oversee its compliance with the settlement. This is similar to the huge $26 billion settlement struck with five of the nation's biggest banks four years ago. Also, 49 states, 49 states, and the uh, Justice Department. It's the latest in a string of fines the U.S. has brought against HSBC, including the $1.9 billion fine for uh, failing to implement money laundering constraints. Um, and the number of people s- uh, prosecuted personally and uh, possibly facing jail time at HSBC as a result of all this? Zero? What's your point? They they pay, they, you know, they're pleased. They're pleased to be punished. Maybe that's telling us more than they intend. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the war, won't you?
4: To the war. We can listen
1: to the war. Yeah, we can. Or we can choose not to. Worldwide responses to climate change could leave people worse off in the future, according to a study conducted by the Wildlife Conservation Society and the University of Queensland. Queensland. The paper published in Nature Climate Change discusses how certain adaptation strategies, you know, as we adapt to climate change, may have a negative impact on nature, which will in turn have a negative impact on people in the long term. In response to climate change, many local communities around the world are rapidly adjusting their livelihood practices to cope with climate change, sometimes with catastrophic implications for nature, according to the principal research scientist on the study. In Australia and Canada, conservation reserves are being used as drought relief to feed livestock forests in the Congo Basin in Africa are being cleared for agriculture in response to drought. Coral reefs are being destroyed to build seawalls from the low-lying islands in Melanesia. The researcher added, these are just a few of the human responses to climate change that, if left unchallenged, may leave us worse off in the future due to their impacts on nature. Functioning and intact grasslands, forests, wetlands, and coral reefs represent our greatest protection against floods and storms, Unquote. Apparently, he's never heard of the Army Corps of Engineers. The paper states that intact native forests have been shown to reduce the frequency and severity of floods, as they did here in Louisiana when we had native cypress forests, while coral reefs can reduce wave energy by an average of 97%, providing a more cost-effective defense from storm surges than big old walls, you see. Plus, they're pretty. Likewise, coastal ecosystems such as mangroves and tidal marshes are proving to be a more cost-effective and ecologically sound alternative to buffering storms than conventional coastal engineering solutions. Maybe he has heard of the Army Corps of Engineers. But, you know, how do you how do you uh, get jobs for contractors if you don't build some? Huh? Sir? Hello? At Nature Climate Change? Um... More than 100 million people a year at risk from increasing floods and tropical cyclones, ill-conceived adaptation measures that destroy the ecosystems, which offer our most effective and inexpensive lines of defense, must be avoided, according to the study. The cost of adaptation to climate change could reach $100 billion a year in the coming decades, but this is small change when we consider the environmental and economic fallout from not using nature to help us cope with climate change, says the author. This is partly because, I think, There's a guy here in New Orleans, Rob Verchick, Dr. Rob Verchick, who uh, in one of his books wrote about the fact that we don't have a way of assigning economic value to the contributions nature makes. We just take it for granted that nature does it, and then when it's gone, it's like, oh, how'd that happen? But it it doesn't get factored into our cost-benefit ratios because we give it no value. But that's us. Ladies and gentlemen, the other person who passed away this week, um, was of special interest to me. I grew up listening to the comedy of him and his partner. It was um, sort of game-changing. They were the—I think it's safe to say that they invented the modern radio comedy team, not guys who stood up in front of an audience uh, in a large studio, but uh, two fellows in this case— who uh, just sat in a radio studio with maybe an engineer or a producer uh, and and developed a much more intimate style of comedy as a result. They Sometimes they improvised. Sometimes uh, their material was scripted, so you couldn't classify them as one or the other. They had a partnership that lasted for more than 40 years. Uh, the name of the group, the name of the team was Bob and Ray. Bob Elliott and Ray Goulding. Ray passed away several years ago and bob passed away this week i uh ran into them first i well i i put myself to sleep with my transistor radio listening to them night after night when i was a kid and then when i was 18 years old i went to new york city to work yes in an advertising agency imagine that think of think of the possibilities and one of the things that i got to do bob and ray in addition to doing this radio comedy and in later years, a stage show, and many many appearances on the Tonight Show, they d- they had an advertising business. They did uh, commercials, characters, amusing characters for commercials. And their probably their most famous campaign, in, at least in New York City, was for a beer called Peel's Beer, P I E L, one of the German brewers. And I was they did television commercials, that were animated characters that they voiced, but they also did radio commercials. And I was tasked, I was given the task, of writing some of the radio commercials that summer that I worked at the advertising agency. And so I found myself at the age of 18 producing a recording session with these guys that I had spent my childhood idolizing, uh, which was a thrilling experience, uh, needless to say. And then uh, some years later, I just was able to sit in on their radio program and watch, watch the magic happen. Anyway... We lost Bob Elliott this week. Here is uh, one of the classic pieces from Bob and Ray on the radio.
5: Hello, this is Howard Pendleton, commonly known to you out there as Mr. Science. Today we're going to deal with the miracle of gas refrigeration. And here to assist me is a lad from New Orleans, Sanford Berger.
6: Sandy, that's great fish country down there, isn't it? Hey, well, it's full of deer and elk, too. <laughs> uh, you'll also find field mice, crows, hens, oxen, cats, owls, bugs. I uh... see. Well, the reason I mention fish, uh, Sandy, is
5: because I'm familiar with a fine seafood place down there Delacorte's Flounder Palace. It must, it's a must for any visitor.
6: Well, it's been off limits for seven years, Mr.
5: Science. Sandy, let's uh, talk a bit about refrigeration today.
6: All right, Mr. Science. Well,
5: Doesn't it seem paradoxical to you that a refrigerator is made cold by a flame?
6: Holy cats! <laughs> Wait till I tell a gang of school that. I thought it was made cold by the ice cubes, Mr. Science. No nonsense, Sandy. The principle involved
5: here is the transfer of warm matter to cold matter. Now, did you ever notice what happens when you turn the refrigerator off? Holy catch, Yeah, the food gets spoiled, Mr. Science. That's right, Sandy. And that's because the flame isn't supplying any
6: cold. Am I making myself clear? Well, I can't exactly say that all this is rubbing off on me too well, Mr. (laughs) Science. (laughs) So far, all I get out of it is if I jump into a flame, I'm liable to cool off.
5: (laughs) Sandy, I'm going to open this refrigerator. All right,
6: I'll back up. Now, look in there and tell me what you see. Well, oh, gee, it's all wet. Leaping lizards. And the food in there is good and squashed up. And there's cheese floating down on the bottom. Well, Mr. now, Science. all this is
5: certainly perplexing to me. I guess the Mr. Science custodian forgot to hook it up.
6: Yes, there's quite a stench there. Uh,
5: Sandy, at any rate, uh, you can see what happened here. The flame
6: went out, and the refrigerator warmed up because of it. Uh,. <clears throat> Say, Mr. Science... Wait wait till I shut the refrigerator door, sir. Yes, uh, there's a good amount of unbearableness around
5: here. Now I'll get the gas flame going again and in no time at all.
6: Uh, Here's a match, Mr. (laughs) Science. You better wear gloves when you light it. You'll freeze your fingers.
5: (laughs) Well, there we are. Now the flame is lit, and in about a half hour... The refrigerator will be freezing again. Any questions, Sandy? Oh, boy, Mr.
6: Science. How come when my mother cooks a pot of soup on the stove, how come we don't get a load of ice
5: instead of a pot of soup? Oh, well, a stove is based on an entirely different principle, Sandy. In a stove, the flame heats the soup. You get what I mean?
6: Oh, yeah, gee, Mr. Science. From now on, I'm never going to throw an ice cube from a moving car. Boy, Smokey the Bear's got enough trouble as it is. Good advice for all of us, Cindy. I'm
5: glad I was given the opportunity to broaden your horizon here Late today, son. Well, this is Mr. Science, Howard Pendleton, saying knowledge is fruit for the mind. So try fruit consumption.
2: from, write your pony here take my letter, you know I'm waiting to get some news from up the street, she's people i like to meet, news from up the street, she's people i like to meet. One. Must and get my letter so she'll know that I live here. me from up the street She's people i like to meet She's people I would like to meet If only
5: I haven't had an opportunity to meet and uh, talk with our next guest here. Uh, so, would you tell us your name and where you're from, sir? Harlow P. Whitcomb, from Glens Falls, New York. Glens Falls, New York. New, New York. I am uh, President and Recording Secretary, right? Recording Secretary. (laughs) Secretary of the S-T-O-A.
4: What
5: does that stand for? The... (laughs) slow talkers of
4: America, America, right? America, 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 America,
5: we believe in forming our thoughts, ideas opinions thoroughly before speaking so you'll never be misunderstood right before uttering them so you'll never be misunderstood so that we will never be misunderstood Los Angeles
4: oh.
5: attending oh. our annual convention. convention, your annual convention, right? You're here for an annual convention. Membership oh. meeting convention. Oh. All 200 members and 50 members. Seven <laughs> members. Members are here talking slowly. (laughs) All talking slowly. As opposed to the members of the F. T O A.
6: T O A.
5: O A. The fast talkers of America. Talkers of of America. America. We have a credo. Which each new member must learn. I With teach.
4: new member.
1: <laughs> Bob and Ray on The Tonight Show. And now the Apologies of the Week.
5: We're
3: so sorry. First, sorry,
1: sorry. from MSNBC. Yeah, they still have that. Chris Matthews and I've I've just obliterated a bit of uh, the word in question.
3: Johnson the governor. Please come back. You are kind of cranky, but you know you're shit. He's the I'm guy. Guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, said that word. That was a Trump word. We'll be right back, Howard Friedman. Thank you. Anyway, I have to apologize again for that word I I don't know how I got into my head in the tonight's broadcast, but it's a four-letter word, a bad word, not a terrible word, but not a good word to be using on television. But it's funny, if there is irony in this business just a few moments ago we bl- blurbed out uh, uh, the candidate donald trump using the exact same word but we blurred it that i wish i'd been able to blur my own word
1: out you mean bleep yeah i guess you do i say donald trump bringing uh, bringing profanity into the presidential campaign and it's about and time great they have a, a big television reality show in britain called the great great british bake-off it's a Baking competition show. Wow, doesn't that sound... Ex- well, it's cold in the winter there. The winner, Nadia Hussain, has been forced to apologize for swearing on lunchtime television as she discussed the size of her husband's posterior on a kind of a British version of The View called Loose Women. Loose Women. Hussein appeared for the first time as a panelist on the show, was talking about what she noticed the first time she met her husband just the day before the couple married. I didn't see him very well, but my sister did, and they were downstairs, and they said, Oh, my God, he's so good-looking, but he's got an enormous butt, she said. So now when I met him for the first time, the first thing I wanted to look at was his butt, so I was like, I've got to check if this A blank blank is as huge as I think it is. The presenter had to step in and say she was sorry for the inappropriate language. I apologize for the use of that word at lunchtime. Clearly embarrassed, Mrs. Hussein added, Oops, sorry. From Thomas Keller, chef and proprietor of Per Se Restaurant in New York, to our guests at all of our restaurants and our kitchens and dining rooms, we make every effort to provide you with the best possible experience. We consider it our professional responsibility to ensure that every one of you feels special and cared for. Regretfully, there are times when we do not meet those standards. The fact that the New York Times restaurant critic's dining experience at Per Se did not live up to his expectations and to ours is greatly disappointing to me and my team. We pride ourselves on maintaining the highest standards. We are sorry we let you down. When we fall short, we work even harder. And Republican presidential candidate Ted Cruz apologized for his campaign statements made on the day of the Iowa caucus, strongly implying that Ben Carson was dropping out of the race. Carson condemned the tactic as a dirty trick. Donald Trump condemned it as fraud, calling for a recount in Iowa until he decided he didn't care anymore. The Cruz campaign has issued a public apology on CNN. Last night, when our political team saw the CNN post saying Dr. Carson was not carrying on to New Hampshire and South Carolina, our campaign updated the grassroots leaders, just as we would with any breaking news story. That's fair game. What the team should have done is send around the follow-up statement from the Carson campaign, which, parenthetically, was tweeted a moment later, clarifying that he was indeed staying in the race when that came out. That was a mistake from our end, and for that, I apologize to Dr. Carson. Carson had, in fact, gone to Florida just according to his people, to get some clean clothes. I guess they don't have laundries and hotels anymore? It beats me. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. It is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast, so watch it. now follow the dollar well it's about campaign money and Hillary Clinton threw down the uh, challenge to Bernie Sanders at the Democratic debate or yeah at the debate this week Uh, if you're if the time for the end of these insinuations I've never changed my vote or my opinion for a contribution Michael Isikoff, the investigative reporter for Yahoo News, comes up with a guide to some of the key players in money-raising for Hillary Clinton. Doug Elmendorf runs Subject Matter, a go-to Democratic lobbying firm for corporate interests. Among its top clients, Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, the American Gaming Association, Facebook and Microsoft, Monsanto, and the NFL. He's a bundler for Hillary Clinton. Then there's Tony Podesta, the brother of John Podesta, Clinton's campaign chairman. He runs the Podesta Group, a powerhouse lobbying firm for Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, and Bechtel, Merck and Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Wells Fargo, and uh, a couple other firms as well. Podesta has used his uh, mansion to uh, host Clinton fundraisers as well as a book party for the Clinton Super PAC. Uh, then there's Tony Podesta's wife, who battled with him over the expensive art in their home during a messy divorce. She runs her own f- uh, rival firm, Heather Podesta and Partners, representing a Wall Street investment firm owned by billionaire Ronald Perlman, as well as Marathon Oil and the National Pork Producers Council. Former Democratic Senator Evan Bayh, who bemoaned the corrosive impact on money in politics when he resigned his uh, senatorial seat, but now is a strategic advisor to a legal lobbying and fundraising juggernaut that represents ExxonMobil and the National Association of Manufacturers, among others. Um, there, but the, wait, there's more. Just a little bit more. The uh, Lloyd Blankfein, the chairman of Goldman Sachs. Among the uh, Blank Find's executives, Donald Mullen, former chief of its credit department, last year made a $1 million donation to Clinton's Super PAC. And uh, then, of course, George Soros. And Haim Saban, a one-time bass guitarist in an Israeli rock band, best known for creating the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, he last year proclaimed he would spend whatever it takes to get her elected president. He's donated $10 million to the Clinton Foundation. His wife serves on its board. He's also head of Univision, the largest Spanish-language television network in the country. CNN reported this week that uh, Hillary and Bill Clinton earned more than $150 million in speaking fees from, uh, among others, Goldman Sachs and UBS. Hillary Clinton said this week she got $675,000 for some three speeches because that's what they offered me. It turns out to be her normal feet, and CNN also reported that when Bernie Sanders ran for the Senate in 2006, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee pumped 37 thousand dollars into his race and included him in fundraising efforts, spending ads, spending money on ads for him among the top contributors to the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee that year: Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, and J.P. Morgan Chase. Hard to have clean hands. The Hillary Clinton campaign. Not really doubling down in New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders reportedly having double-digit lead, sizable double-digit lead. She is this weekend. I mean, she is this weekend in uh, Flint, Michigan, where, as you know, there's great controversy over the poisoned water, the lead and otherwise poisoned water, drinking water in Flint, Michigan. And um, Flint is a largely African American community. And coincidentally, the next big primary is in South Carolina, a state with a large African American voting population. It all sounds like another episode of Clinton something, moments from now, here on the show.
0: in something. The candidacy years. Uh, I'm sorry, Madam Secretary. Uh, Some bad news. Great. What now? We're down 40 in New Hampshire? Oh, now look. We both agreed. New Hampshire is a nothing burger. Mm. It's a Bernie burger. That's right. That's why we're flying to Flint. New Hampshire's rearview Miraville. Okay. So, what's the bad news? No sparkling water on this flight. <sighs> Two hours without sparkling water? There'll be sparkling water waiting for us in Flint. <laughs> Mr. Mook, mm-hmm. you may be the campaign manager, mm-hmm. but as the candidate, mm-hmm. I think I understand the reason we're flying to Flint is to hammer home the fact that The water there isn't fit to drink. (laughs) The sparkling water is bottled, of course. Of course. Still, it wouldn't surprise me if the Republicans just bottled flint water and spritzed it up. I guess that's possible. Mm -hmm. Well, there will definitely be sparkling water on the flight back. Okay. Now, about South Carolina. Yep. Firewall. Where Bernies go to die. (laughs) Right. Thanks. Yeah. So, have we sent our lucky coins down there? Well, it turns out Sanders won some of the Iowa coin tosses, too, so... Still, don't tell me we didn't hold on to those coins. Well, they don't settle any other primaries by coin tosses, so... Well, who knows what might need to be settled by a coin toss? Can we locate those coins? I'm not going to tell you now. Okay. Now... How are we doing scheduling the trip to Ferguson? Uh, logistics aren't looking good. Also, only day available for an event was uh, Super Bowl Sunday. So? So so you'd be going down there to express your solidarity with people who are sitting at home watching football? I can't believe you're telling me that all black people watch football. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that, well. but uh, you take that call.
3: I'll go nail down the water. Mm-hmm.
0: Hi, Bella, What's
3: up? Oh, uh, Toots, you know the answer to that. I, your poll numbers. Your poll numbers.
0: You were right the first time.
3: I, so? So, your surrogate in chief just wanted to run this by you before we set up the new think tank?
0: Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of swamped right now.
3: The then with sparkling water again? Just,
0: just what do you want to run by me?
3: Trying to get a final okay on a name for the think tank. Mm-hmm. Which do you prefer? Center for the Study of Money and Politics. Or the Institute for the Study of Money and Politics.
0: That's why you're calling?
3: I'm the odd man out over here. I think Institute sounds stuffy and elitist. Mm -hmm. Center, to me, sounds centrist. Third way. That's right.
0: Common sense.
3: As one word, right?
0: As an adjective. Right. I don't know. Institute sounds more serious than Center. I mean... Institute sounds more institutional, almost academic.
3: Well, the word study would take care of that part. Mm -hmm. Look, Toots, we're doing this to blunt Sanders' pitch about you being enthralled to your donors. Right. So we want to say you're where the voters are on this. Right. Well, where do you think the voters are? In an institute or in the center?
0: Well, what does Chelsea think?
3: She thinks she can get her husband's hedge fund to cover the startup costs and the media outreach for it. Cool. And just to keep the optics nice and clean, they're going to funnel it through a Bahamian charity.
0: Well, I I don't even want to know about it. I
3: don't even want to tell you. Hmm. Okay, Toots, they wanted to get this settled in time to FedEx incorporation papers in before the weekend. Center, it is.
0: Okay. Um, who's running it?
3: Well, you know, whichever Podesta's available. Fine. I guess. Hey, hon. Hmm? New Hampshire's nothing. And you really, really did win Iowa. Well. Really? I'm
0: getting that old feeling again, Bill. It was a win. I'm feeling my aura of inevitability slipping away again. Toots,
3: your aura's intact. You're the first woman to win Iowa.
0: Well, but my lucky coins won't work in other states. Oh, I just wish I had your likability numbers.
3: Hey, I wish I had your personal discipline. Everybody's missing something. I'll talk to you later.
0: Hey, uh, good news for a change. Oh, I didn't think things were bad enough that you needed to say that. I just meant more good news for a change. Okay. What? Well, in the time since I last checked, Mm -hmm. Sanders hasn't gone up in the poll. Really? Angst and middle-aged angst. Together they add up to Clinton something. The candidacy years.
2: only the show when it's i A little before she left me K-M-E-Z-A. I asked her what it's all about She said I feel like dancing I feel, I feel like stepping out. I took her where the band Where the band was on the stand Playing
4: yeah. I
2: Got us on the dance floor. To, to me it was a sight. I never see my baby moving, baby moving like the move she made on me that night. I did not have a chance the way that music made me dance. It was a five I only have to show it it's and- Stepping out. My baby said, I'm living for this music. I ask her what it's all about. She says, I'm such a silly girl, this stuff has got me in a world. Live music, live music. And that was live the night she left me. Live music. Danced herself live into my memory. My baby had to. For the, drummer. for the drummer, I guess I'll never solve that mystery. Mm-hmm. I think I've learned my lesson, just don't get too near the band when it's live music. I let before music. she left me. My
4: music. I ask her what my it's music. all
2: about. Mm-hmm. She says she feel like dancing, I feel, like dancing. She feel like stepping out.
1: I'll never solve that mystery either. And now, news of our friend the Adam. Clean, save, safe too cheap
3: to meet her. Save, cheap, cheap to meet her. Cheap, save, too safe to meet her. Save, save, safe to meet her.
1: And the Atom is uh, out parading. Don't step on him. According to government data, there are about 15,000 uranium mines in the West. Seventy-five percent of them are on federal or tribal lands. Uh, there is an environmental crisis, according to an activist group called Clean Up the Mines. The group demanding the federal agency, Federal environment, environmental, environmental Protection Agency, to conduct studies on radiation levels in water supplies and move to clean up uranium waste. A doctoral candidate in environmental sciences at Northern Arizona University tested the water near Sanders, Arizona, found uranium levels of 47 parts per billion, well above the legal limit of 30 parts per billion. The Sanders Unified School District draws water from wells where uranium levels have been tested that high, forcing the district to rely on bottled water for its offices. Hope it's not Dasani. There is uranium. is over the limit. It's been a mess, says the school superintendent. Bottled water costs come out of the district's budget. And uh, there seems to be, this is from the Tucson Sentinel. The EPA's regional office says it's been working to fix the problem of tainted water being delivered to the community of Sanders. And speaking of water and speaking of radiation, New York will investigate high levels of radioactive contamination found in groundwater at Indian Point Energy Center, according to Governor Andrew Cuomo. Radioactive tritium-contaminated water leaked into groundwater at the nuclear facility, causing alarming levels, that's a quote, of radioactivity to be found at three of the 40 monitoring wells at the nuclear facility. Interestingly, the, government, the governor and his family live in the same county where the nuclear plant is located. Alacrity, thy name is proximity. In his statement, Cuomo says one of the wells reported a 65,000% spike in radioactivity. The plant's owner and operator is Entergy Corporation, headquartered right here in New Orleans. They uh, 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 agree there are elevated levels of tritium in monitoring wells. It's not in accordance with our standards, but there's no health or safety consequence to the public, says the Entergy statement. It's it's our friend tritium, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew Cuomo, by the way, re-elected when he ran against, in the Democratic primary for New York governor, A female opponent. Guess which one Hillary Clinton supported. Clue, it wasn't the woman. Clean, cheap, safe to, safe to meet her, our friend, the Atom. You know, ladies and gentlemen, one of the frustrations about doing a radio show in this, you know, the contemporary style, a person or two sitting in a studio, no audience, is you finish the show and there's no applause. Jeb, would you help me out here? Please clap. There you go. That's what I need. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. The USEN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world, through the facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ. The planet 7.490 megahertz shortwave on the mighty 104 in Berlin. Ich bin ein Berliner. Um, On around the world via the internet at two different locations, live and archive whenever you want at harryshearer.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone through stitcher.com and available as a free podcast. Count the ways you can do this. iTunes, SoundCloud, Sideshow Network, wwno.org, and tunein.com. and be just like having clean hands if you'd agree to join with me then would you all righty thank you very much uh-huh Show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago and Exile, and Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson here at WWNO in New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program yes, there's still email. The playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to have some Cars I Talk t shirts for yourself, all available at harryshare.com. And yes, I'm on Twitter.
0: At the Harry Shearer.
1: The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station for the Change is Easy radio network. Everywhere else is going to be just another Tuesday, but I'll see you in the streets. So long from New Orleans.